Good morning. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Every Friday here on 1150 AM KKNW, we'll be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities that are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Benny Mathers? Guaranteed. <laughs> I like that game. Lift your spirits to higher ground, Ooh. Mr. Connor. And I uh, put that together because I needed a little theme song. <laughs> And your gift. You're gifted. Ta-da! Writing music. I like it. So, okay, joining us this morning is Dana S. Diaz. Good morning, Dana. Good morning. Woo! So I heard you on a show a couple weeks ago, and I'm driving down the road, and I thought to myself, I love this woman. i got to have her on the show. <laughs> well, thank you. I love you, too. Yeah, we, we had a nice conversation. So tell the we listeners uh, what it is that you do. Um, I'm an author now. I have just published my first book last year. It's called Gasping for Air, The Stranglehold of Narcissistic Abuse. And it's about a 25-year relationship, marriage that I had um, from start to finish with an abusive narcissist. Because let me tell you, it was a ride. And I didn't even know that it was happening when it was happening. It wasn't really until the end that I realized the whole narcissist thing. I mean, it, it's a very real thing, despite how despite how loosely the term is used. And so I just really felt compelled to finally use my degree in journalism and actually write, you know, about my experiences. Because um, towards the end, it got to the point where he actually did want me dead. Um, he was threatening my life. And so I was keeping a journal because um, it was during COVID, of course, and we were locked in the same house together. And I needed to keep a journal for, for my sake so that I knew if something happened to me and it was made to look like an accident, that everybody, somebody would find this and hopefully, you know, pin it on him as, as it rightfully should have been. So fortunately, I'm here and all is well. And he is in the past. Um, but I absolutely feel like people need to be aware of what this is and that it's a real thing and that unfortunately our justice system is not quite caught up on it. So we got to really be aware of it ourselves to take care of ourselves and make sure we get out safely. So when you're at that point writing things down, was there anyone close enough to you at that point? Because normally that's what they take away is Everybody yeah, else. that was the first thing. I mean, I was 19 years old when I met him right out of an abusive childhood home, you know, swearing, nobody's ever going to do this to me again. I'll never let anyone treat me like that again and walked right into it. Saw it coming too, but, you know, this one was different because my my stepfather was an overt narcissist, one of these, like, I mean, it's almost annoying that he just tells everybody how great he is and what he can do and no, no rules apply to him and all that. But my ex was a covert. So they come off humble and almost like you feel sorry for them and they can be sweet and kind and they're generous and charitable and you think you got this great guy and then then you close the door and and stuff happens. So yeah, it it, it it's so insidious. It creeps up on you. Um, it's just something that you really won't understand unless you've actually been through it. Um, so being locked in the house with that was a little scary. And how did that end? How did you get away? How did you escape? Well, it, it's kind of ironic. It, it was a typical, and I hate to give away because you people should read the oh, book. Okay. But well, and you don't have let's to. Let's put it this to. way. I was getting ready to get out 
and I finally got a hold of the attorney right and then we went into the shelter in place. So we were stuck in the house. But when the courts finally reopened and they were backlogged, so I still couldn't file for divorce, it just kind of became a game of survivor in our house, though. Um, and, and it was getting kind of ridiculous towards the end. But even after the divorce, um, you know, there was some domestic violence that occurred because these narcissists do not want to let you go. They will make you pay for seeing them who for who they really are. And then God forbid, if you offend them by ending the relationship and cutting them off, they're not gonna let you off that easy. No, 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 it's, it's like being a, a prisoner, I think. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But they do isolate you. And that's the thing about it is that, you know, I already had such limited family because of my estrangement from my mother and stepfather who abused me in my childhood. We had contact, but it's not like it wasn't a good mother-daughter relationship. It was very strained. Obviously, my stepfather I didn't want any part of, but you know, a lot of family sort of went with that and just perceived me as, oh, I'm just difficult and that I must be lying and all this stuff that they were saying. So I already had minimal family. And honestly, I fell in love with my ex's parents, which was part of the illusion for me because I saw right away, I mean, I sensed who he was, but then I, I mean, within a week, of course, I, you know, he has me meeting his parents. They move very fast to lock you down. But my God, they were like Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver. They were the loveliest people ever. And I mean, I literally fell in love with them. And I could see the house and the white picket fence and this family that I didn't have. And, you know, I was young and I was naive and I didn't realize back then, but I was totally codependent, which is like setting up a perfect storm for a life of servitude to a narcissist. But yeah, the isolation, once he, he got me moved in with him, which was within six weeks of meeting him, <laughs> we were moved in together, got a dog together, and then as soon as he could, he moved me 90 miles away from everybody and everything. Yep. And didn't know anybody, long drive to see anybody, didn't like when I made friends, didn't even like me being friendly with the next door neighbor, everything was a fight, so you know, before long, it was just, it was just me and him. And, and he even told me verbally, he said, this house is your prison. God forbid, if I needed to go buy cat food at the Dollar General, you know, I was gone too long. I was screwing somebody. I didn't actually go there for cat food. I was doing something else. It's like, I, it was getting ridiculous. But unfortunately, you have, when you're in this kind of relationship, what people need to understand is that, you know, it, because I've had so many people say, oh, well, maybe you should have been stronger, you know, if you weren't so weak and, you know, if, if I wouldn't let somebody cheat on me and well, let me tell you, I'm not weak, but it takes a stronger person to endure all that. But you are invested in this. You are, you have, a, you know, maybe you're married like I was, have a mortgage. Then we had a kid. It's not easy for anybody in any relationship to realistically just say, oh, I'm going to up and walk away, even if bad things are happening. But what the problem is with narcissists is that there's bullets coming from every direction. You can't even deal with one thing before five other things are hitting you. And this is every day. 
So, I mean, you can't even resolve any, you're literally, you get to the point. I mean, I, I was just talking to a veteran yesterday who, who went through, you know, a narcissistic relationship. He was trying to make sense of it. And I said, but listen to the words we use when we're in the, they're, they're war words, they're military tactical terms, because that's what it feels like. And it's so hard, like you're just trying to survive it. You get to a certain point where you're just like, if you got a duck, keep your mouth shut, be quiet. I always said, I always like to fly under the radar. It's not that I was weak. I just needed some damn sanity. I needed some peace, especially when our son came along. I needed to just not provoke him. But the problem was they're like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> that that can flip in a second. Yeah. You don't even know it. It could be that you flinched your finger, or looked at something the wrong way, even though you didn't look at it in any way. You were just, you, you have eyes. And <laughs> I, I've had three, 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 two marriages and another relationship. And you're just bringing back all the stuff I forgot about because I'm sorry. No, 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 it's good. It's good because you're being controlled slowly, but it's like, and yes. it's like looking at the clock when you walk in, um, not letting you go get your yes. paycheck or, or, did you smile at somebody today? The pastor who looked oh, at yeah. me wrong. I mean, there were so many times I, I said, was screwing ah. my 80 year old pastor too. So I understand. I know. I know. No, no friends. But for me, what happened is because I couldn't have anyone in my life and I had kids, I exercised at home and I read books and I meditated because I was a prisoner. I mean, this is when my kids yes. were little. I could not leave the house. And at least when those 10 years, I did something that was good for me. Even though at one point he wanted to take away that all of that from me and yes. put, put me in a church and, and kind of lock me down in that way with beliefs I did not I did not have. And I did break away and I went to court 45 times because he was going to make me pay. And it's, it's one of those things that it's because I have to say, I think that I talked to you. We got along right away. We're kind. And they, they go yes. looking for that really broken little girl, codependent. Yes. They know exactly what they're doing. And then they start chipping away at you. Yes. And, and that is exactly it. They, they, even if they are not aware that they have that superpower, boy, they could sniff you a mile away and they know exactly how to play you. They know what to say, what to do. And you don't even realize you're being manipulated. And that's the key here because, you know, you, you had just touched upon that, but you know, it was like, for me, I, I remember a Sunday, we were cuddling. It was cold out, you know, middle of winter in the Midwest. Oh, do you have to go to church today? Why don't we just stay in and watch a movie and have cocoa? And like, you know, and that sounded a lot nicer than getting up and putting nice clothes on and going and sitting in a freezing cold church and singing the gospel and all that. So I thought, well, I didn't usually miss church, but I'm like, oh, what's one going to hurt to where 25 years later, I mean, he's I, he's accusing me of loving God more than him. I spend more time at church than with him. I'm like, it's one hour every Sunday. I am in this house other than work. I can't go anywhere. I am like, I, I don't even have to, I shouldn't have to justify that. You know, and that's the thing. You find yourself explaining yourself and explaining your, your, you're like begging for for reason and logic that they refuse to accept because it goes against what you know their end goal is but you know i find even still in life i've had to actually stop myself 
from saying too much to people. I'm like, I don't owe this person an explanation. No, no. They're not my priest. I'm not in confession. But I find that that's something that I came out of it with, other than all these triggers and PTSD and depression, anxiety, a lung disease, autoimmunity. I mean, all this stuff that, you know, the relationship left me with, I also feel like I, you know, and I'm a college educated woman that I ran a successful six figure business. And like, why am I explaining? I mean, not like that makes me like above anybody, but I shouldn't have to explain myself, you know, every single thing I do. And it's just so harmful, but that's what they do. As you explained it, they chip away. It's little, little things. The way I explain it to people too, is like, we all have boundaries. Even when we're codependent people pleasers like I was, there's still, there's a boundary out there somewhere <laughs> that somebody shouldn't cross, even if you haven't said it. And we well, all have a moral compass. And don't you, know? you think it's usually with your children? That's the boundary for me. Like, don't well, mess it, with my Well, it kid. depends, but I'm even before a child. But you know what, but you have, everybody has a sense of how to treat other people and what's right and what's wrong. You know, we are different in some ways and there are cultural differences and geographical, you know, expectations, whatever. But these narcissists, they kind of see the boundary and they put their toe over the line just to test it out. And you feel uncomfortable with whatever they said or did. Like, eh, I didn't like that too much, <laughs> but it's not a deal breaker, right? So we're not going to end the relationship or start the next argument with them because there's enough arguments with them. And, but they and know they got win. away with it. You can't win right. anyway, so there's no point to no, even talk can't. to them. So, but they know that, so they've gotten away with that. So then the next time they're going to step over that line a little bit more. And it's the same thing. You're like, you're like, everything in you is telling you, mm, I got to address this. I don't like it. I don't want this to happen again. But again, when, you know, here I was 25 years later, like, how the heck did I get from point A to point B? It's because he kept pushing that line further and further out until honestly, there were no boundaries because let's be real. I think everybody in a relationship has a deal breaker and I don't buy like the common one I, I hear all the time is, oh, well, if somebody cheated on me, I'd be done with that. Yeah, you say that, but let me tell you how many married people I have talked to that have dealt with infidelity in their marriage and guess where they still are in their marriage. Mm -hmm. Because again, I go back to the why do you stay? Because we all have reasons we stay. Financially, can you support two households? Do you want to get into 45 times in court fighting over stuff and money and kids and whatever, orders of protection and all these things? No, you want to try to make it work because something worked to get you where you were and you're just trying to get that back and you're hoping and wishing and waiting. But you also but, have the Jekyll and Hyde thing. So there's that right. love, there's that love bombing, the letter writing, the beautiful dinners they make and all these things. And mine started with, I was a, I was like ripped. I was a bodybuilder. I had my own house. I had two cars. I had a great job, uh, three beautiful mm -hmm. kids and we were happy. And I wanted a father for my son. That's how that one started. Right. But it was one thing like, oh, let's eat more. Let's stay up late. Let's not go to the gym. Like you said, cuddle, cuddle. And pretty soon my friend that is a girlfriend isn't close to me anymore because he kind of flirted with her a little bit in front of me and he did that on purpose to divide oh yeah divide and conquer is what it is and it is war <laughs> it's battle and i believe in past lives where these men have been trained in battle and there's these they come back with this this like they they love you but they want to kill you 
Yeah, it's absolutely a love hate. And and I, you know, people don't realize I want to touch on two things there. I mean, watch 48 hours or any of these true crime shows. <laughs> Let's be real. Most of the time we're five minutes in and I'm like, mm, I'm going to say narcissist. Mm -hmm. We call it the N word around our house. But, you know, I'm like, I'm going to say the N word. <laughs> And it's not funny, though, because, I mean, let's look at our U.S. prison population, the male U.S. prison population, over 20% of them, that's one out of every five, is an identified narcissist. And that's just based on random statistics. I mean, I would beg to differ that maybe it's more than that. But that's scary to think about because go to the gas station right now. There might be five to ten people there. If any one or two of them is a narcissist, we are talking about people that might kill. My ex-husband, <laughs> after not only putting in writing a letter to me, an email saying that he wanted me dead, not just admitting to our neighbors that he was planning to kill me, and then enacting two incidents of domestic violence, was never arrested. I was never able to press charges. The courts denied my order of protection, you know, appeals multiple times and he gets to walk around free. Mm -hmm. So what scares me is if he's walking around, how many other people, and I'm, this is not just men. I know it sounds like we're focusing on men, but there are women too, and they are dangerous. And it scares me that they're walking around in the world, in your Walmart, in your, in your towns, in your schools being parents of other kids maybe and there's no justice for us that that have you know suffered at their hands in whatever way because in our system if you're not walking around with a black eye and beat up all the time they won't do anything no. and somebody else has to see it so that's where you know he says she says yes. I went to court I was my own attorney I had to be my own attorney because the, yeah, the, the I was cost. too. Yeah, the cost. And then I started winning. You know, I started winning because I started praying is what I did. And then miracles yeah. started to happen, and I got out of that relationship, saved my children. And then, of course, you know, I was doing fine. I was great. Life was great. But this guy comes in, and he's constantly coming by and buying my kids' things. It was just oh god, and, and he broke me down. And then, of course, I had a bat. My daughter came out. And she and was you know she was a teenager. I had a dark time, and that's when he stepped in. And he was, a, we called him Rico Suave, but that whole love bombing <laughs> thing. And we used to say, yeah. we know you're outside listening to everything we say because he was, he did. They listen to everything because then they give it to you in a weird way. And you're oh, like, it's all information. Yeah, it's yeah. all information. And that's why, you know, that's where I kind of come into play as far as like my over explaining because I feel like. The more information people have about me now, like I, I don't trust them with that. You don't need to know that my favorite color is red, even though I just said it and <laughs> now everybody knows. But you know what I mean? Because then, oh, there's going to be the red dress mm -hmm. laying out on the bed or there's red roses. And they're like, oh, look, he loves me after all, even though, you know, he did this, that and the 20 million other things and slept with another woman last night. But he loves me. He said he's not going to do it again. And what people don't get about this, too, and what I don't think even victims themselves, survivors, whatever you want to call yourself, that trauma bond, we've all heard this term, but I don't think people understand what it really is. 
this whole love hate thing i mean we can go back into basic psychology and you know talking about positive reinforcement with you know your dog that's how you train your dog to do stuff you, you they do the thing you give them a treat we learn like dogs that when we do this we get a little love when we do that mm, not so much but what this what happens to us and what people don't understand is that this is causing reactions inside your body the neurons in your brain are affected your cortisol running the stress hormone running through your body all this mind stuff is happening in your body as well so after some period of time they have done this i love you i hate you i love you i hate you to where your body actually becomes addicted in a certain way to this person because your body becomes addicted to that constant cycle of push and pull, push and pull. And, and, you know, there's no escaping that. I mean, you have to make such a, it's like withdrawal to come out of a situation like that. So you can go to somebody and say, but you know, he swung a crowbar at your head. That did happen to me. Mm -hmm. You would think that I would leave, right? You would think I would leave when he tried to kidnap our son in the middle of the night when our son was two and telling me I'm never going to see him again because they're going to run off to Mexico. Or maybe it was when the gun got shot off or the knife thing or the prescription medication thing or how many other things, yet there I still was. I mean, even I would look at somebody and say, what the hell are you doing? Well, what I'm doing is my body is chemically addicted to this. And even though I know it's wrong and even though I don't like it and even though I wish things were different, I cannot get away from it. Well, we also were talking about intuition. We knew right away, yeah. but we oh, also yeah. we also wanted that affection because we we were uh, you know I was an orphan basically. I wanted yes. the affection, so we we loved the the Rico Suave guy. We love him and the one that you know is always kind, buying you gifts. And then there's the other one, the you know it's that double edged sword. So if you could just fix them, if you could just get them to be the good guy. <laughs> so my intuition well, was spot right. on, spot on, right. And, and yes, and I mean, that's the first chapter in my book is when he walked in, my ex, I mean, literally, the second I met him, I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I didn't, He didn't even need to say anything. He was aloof. He carried himself arrogantly, even though he was nothing to, I, I couldn't see why. I mean, not visually or outwardly. Everything in me, even after my second interaction with him, I, you know, I clearly upset him. He was clearly disapproved with me, you know, of me. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's my stepfather right there. Like, I don't need any of that in my life. I just left that. I'm not trying to do that again. But yeah, everybody has a different need in life. And because of, unfortunately, we're wired by like the age of seven. So our childhood really does affect us. And I'm sorry for those that don't like the, you know, stop, you know, people say to stop blaming mom and dad, but really it is their fault. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, uh, let's say it's it's also, I believe in life after life, but there's so many things we bring forward with us. And I, I can see now that the men that I've had in my life have been um, above me. They were above me in every lifetime, whether it was a father, a military, mm. uh, a drill sergeant. I had dated one guy. I knew he was a drill sergeant. And you're you're doing things you don't want to do, but you don't know why. So there's a lot of yeah. things going on. But if you're never alone and they have you in the confused state that we're in, oh, yeah. you can't make a good decision if your life depended on it. 
No, you can't even think straight. And that's a big part of it too, is that I don't think, you know, so we going back to how it feels to be in it, you know, I always say like, I felt like there were bullets coming at me from every direction constantly. So, you know, they're also sleep depriving you and, and they're gaslighting you and, and all these things are happening that you just cannot focus. You can't think you are, again, you're just trying to get through the damn day. So it is very hard to make a good decision or to think clearly and they will throw that in your face. Then you're crazy and you don't know what you're talking about and you're stupid and you're everything else. Um, you know, but I think it's a matter of just really, I tell people, just listen to your gut, you know, not just when you first meet them. Cause I understand I was that girl and let's be real. I never, you know, my biological father was not around when I was a girl. I only had my stepfather. He was abusive and awful. I'm always looking for men's approval. And even my husband now, we love him very much, but he's 11 years older. I obviously have daddy issues, but it works. <laughs> so it is what it is. I want to touch but back on the sleep people deprivation. People need to be aware sleep. of what they're doing. Yeah. They need to listen to their intuition. So we're going to take our break. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Your Spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You receive a Reiki session plus a shocker reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Feeling the need to get away and reconnect with Mother Nature? Located on Whidbey Island, Earth Sanctuary is a peaceful and magical sculpture garden, nature reserve, and retreat center with two miles of nature trails, three bird-filled ponds, and a variety of powerful sacred spaces, including a labyrinth, stone circles, and medicine wheels. Come and enjoy the wonders of nature and experience personal renewal, spiritual growth, and healing today. 
Visit earthsanctuary.org or The Earth Sanctuary on Facebook for more information. Curious about whales in the Pacific Northwest? Orca Network's Langley Whale Center celebrates and shares the lives of gray whales, orcas, and other marine mammals of the Salish Sea. The Langley Whale Center is a project of Orca Network, a nonprofit that is based on Whidbey Island. The Langley Whale Center gives Orca Network the opportunity to have a public presence to share the excitement about the whales and marine mammals who are our neighbors. The Whale Center in Langley gives visitors and residents alike a chance to learn more about the endangered southern resident orcas who visit our area and about the North Puget Sound gray whales, a small unique population of gray whales who find sustenance in the waters of Saratoga Passage and Possession Sound each March through May. Check out the Orca Network and Lingley Whale Center on Facebook for the latest whale sightings, educational programs and events or visit orcanetwork.org for more information. You'll be glad you did. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thinking about getting away for a day or an overnight stay? Pristine Pacific Northwest Island Beauty is closer and more affordable than you may think. From unspoiled hills to uncrowded Puget Sound shoreline, from wildlife and stately evergreen forests to bald eagles and blue herons, Whidbey and Camino Islands have it all. They're both located in Puget Sound and are an easy drive from either Seattle or Vancouver, B.C. Both islands are accessible by bridge, and each island is a wonder of nature and scenic beauty to be enjoyed by the entire family. To visit this classic Pacific Northwest experience, visit WhidbeyCamanoIslands.com or like them on Facebook to see all they have to offer. You'll discover that island time is just a short drive away and can be affordably yours this weekend. Whidbey and Camado Islands, the shortest distance to far away. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. I don't know if I'm supposed to go right or left.
Welcome back. You're listening to Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. And joining us this morning is Dana S. Diaz, uh, the author of Gasping for Air, The Stranglehold of Narcissistic Abuse. And you're back. We got you. Yay. I'm back. Yay. We were talking about living in the woods and cell coverage, and that's just kind of what happens. But it's all yeah, good. Yeah, it's like children of the corn out here, so I think they must have hacked the internet the wi-fi or something so you know because i've been by myself for four years now and i, I i'm going to bring that up that I, I love isolation i love quiet i love being alone and every time yeah. I, I sleep every time i wake up when i want and go to bed when i want and have a nice you know time alone by myself it makes me like being alone even more because i my voice says you're catching up for lost time you know everyone yes. of mine made sure i didn't sleep they controlled everything I did from what, how, you know, I ate. Uh, and, the, and the second one I married, I said, you know, because I ran away to Kauai just to get away from the abuse, not knowing he was cheating on me and all that other stuff we talked about. But it was when I got back, I said, we got to, you know, uh, I got counseling and I wanted to get my health better. But that was part of it, too, because as I used to be fit and got attention, now I'm super heavy. Um, I feel horrible about my body. I'm not sleeping or going to the gym and doing the things I need to do for my health. So it's it's an, it's the finances. He had all the finances. I couldn't even get my taxes at the end. And at the very end of our marriage, he got my house that I raised my children in. I mean, it was so crazy. And remember me confronting him about my friend. He goes, absolutely not. And I thought, ding, 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 ding. How many times did he tell me when I heard something in a hotel room Absolutely not. And it's one of those things that you get to a point where you second guess yourself and you, you like we call ourselves the Phoenix. I don't want to yes. be the Phoenix anymore. I want to be a strong, capable woman. But like you said, it's hard to trust. And he used to say, you trust too much and I trust no one. So I want to <laughs> I want to say I have to be super careful. But during the pandemic, I've had many men want to date me and I see it now. I see it right away. And sure enough, two weeks down the road, they wanted to be with me, you know, prior. They have girlfriends, <laughs> you know, yeah. constantly attracting these men. And then I have one saying, oh, Dina, Dina Marie, mean the one that won't date me? That's where I live now. But I was like, I could see it. I could see it. And, and I feel I'm super happy with myself. But you almost have to read books on narcissism. You have to talk to victims because it's so unbelievable. True. It really is. And you don't think anybody is going to believe you. And I mean, taking the narcissism out of it, anybody that's experiencing any kind of abuse or trauma, the last thing that you're going to do is say anything to anybody. Because for two reasons, one, you, you are so fearful. They have instilled some sense of some horrible consequence that you will suffer if you expose what's going on, but they have already gone behind your back, these narcissists and discredited you. Usually they like the crazy thing, which I don't understand. I would like, I challenge them. If you're a narcissist, please come up with something different. <laughs> Get a little more creative because we're not really all that crazy. I mean, I might be a little, but I would dare to say that the narcissist made me that way. So, you know, it's so, it's just so unbelievable to me. Even now, I was just telling somebody yesterday how many people believe the narcissists over the victims, you know, because 
they do. They go to such great lengths and, and they're so skilled at what they do that like in your situation and so many people have their house taken away, their children taken away. They are stripped of everything and every. I mean, for me, he knew that, you know, they know how to get you. For me, he actually stuck me with the house that I didn't even want, which was my punishment, because I didn't want to be in the place where so many things had happened to me that I was going to be traumatized living there. But he stuck me with it. Mm -hmm. But it was more taking the people away from me because, like you said, you were felt like an orphan. I had always referred to myself as one also that, you know, I did have very little family that kept in touch with me because of the first narcissist in my life, you know, having taken that also. My ex actually admitted that he told his family vicious lies about me to ensure that they would hate me and have nothing to do with me. He was telling our son things. He was telling people at our son's school, at my church, in our community. So I was, I mean, I felt like I suffered the death of dozens of people all at once. And I'm going through a divorce and I'm trying to put myself back together, you know, and, and take care of my kid and be a single mom at 45, you know, it, it's overwhelming, but whatever it is, that's going to get you and get you good. They have no remorse. They have no empathy and they don't think any rules or apply to them. They're above the law and above everything. They will come after you however they can. Yeah, and it's like you said, walking through a minefield the other day, and that's exactly what I, I, I thought it was. It's it's constant. It's constant, and it's, it could blow up in your face at any time. And the last yes. person I was with was famous, and he, he called it the bunker. He called it the bunker because he had me trapped in the bunker. But it's um. kind of crazy because he was famous. So when it was over, I lost so many people in my life. So many people, people that I did yeah. healing work with because he, they, they, they're constantly contacting strangers and, and talking garbage about you. And so for, yes. for me, it was a cleaning of the house, of my house, because if you're really my friend, then you shouldn't have been taken for advantage. But it was, you know, it was a lot of people. And so I got to start my life over, you know, I, because again, I became homeless. Yeah. I had no place to go. This person had sucked the life out of me to where I was almost ready to die from blood pressure issues. And it was me or him. And I have to say the song, cause he had writer's block. We did it. We did an album and such, but the last song that he finally wrote by himself. Okay. We put it in the, the, the card, the CD, cause we pr pr uh, produced it. You wanted the world, but you got me. That's Ouch. the name of the song. And I'm like, Dina, this person's going to kill you. You need to get out and get out now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it is that they present to the world. I always remind people Ted Bundy was supposedly charming and handsome. You know, people think that we're walking around and pick up Chucky off the street with his crazy red hair and a butcher knife. Not really my type. But, you know, these these are people that used their charm to get us. They use their charm to influence others. And once we see them for what they are and want out, then we are going to pay the price. Absolutely. And that whole going to court 45 times, a lot of those attorneys in there, they got that going on for them because they're they're lying. All I mean, I've learned so much because mm -hmm. the system is is not for the woman and the children, the system is is broken. So me, yes. I'll, I'll tell you honestly, I got thrown in jail. I got thrown in jail, and my kids were left at the house, and my ex, who was the narcissist, drove off. 
it was one of those things where I'm in, I'm because he said I did something, I didn't do something, I got out of it during the court hearings and stuff. But I said to the judge, what happens um, to him after he lied and all this money and, and my kids being left? He goes, nothing, nothing happens to him. Right. And nothing does happen to them. Nope. And I mean, how many times do they actually, you know, go through? I mean, we see it on our news all the time. We see it on all these shows all the time. They will kill and they get away with it. And sometimes they even get the custody of the kids. It's it's atrocious. So I go back to, again, people need to be aware of this and you need to be if any of this resonates with anybody if you think you're in a situation like this, don't take this lightly because your body, you will first feel it in your body. I think I, you know, I go back to intuition and gut, you know what's going on, but your body's going to physically respond to it in some way. And you have to understand you're not doing anything noble. If there's kids there staying for the sake of the kids, I did that. And, and you're doing a disservice for your children because I'll tell you what, even though it took me 25 years, you know, my son was what, 17 when I finally got out, got both of us out. And within a couple of days, he was making comments. He's like, oh, it's the, it's so easy around here. Like he's like, the energy is different in the house. And he's like, you're smiling and laughing again, mom. It's really nice to see you, you know, just able to have a nice day. Like we weren't, we weren't even granted that. So you know, the kids will feel it and, mm -hmm. and you're not doing anything right by staying. I mean, I'm not trying to tell everybody to go get a divorce and break up because certainly we want to honor vows and, you know, the, the sacredity of, of those relationships. But you have to you have to look out for you, because when you're in a situation with somebody where they don't care about you, if you don't care about you either, that that's not a good position to be in. Well, and to the Valentine's, you know, I always try to bring up self-love during February because yes. what we want in another person, we have to have on ourselves first. And when I was strong and capable and doing all the things I needed to do for myself, well, it made me a target, honestly, because they wanted that energy. They want the energy. They need to feed off of you. And I have one time when I was, because I'm doing my healing work and I'm writing a book about the chakras and he's coming at me with saying things that are not true. They're not true. They're not true. But Instead of closing my heart and then shoving it under my, my gut so I would cry, because that's what he right. was looking for, that, that energy, I just listened with an open heart. And in my mind, I'm like, he's crazy. <laughs> he's not right, right at all. But when you close your heart because they're saying hurtful things, that's when you become that mosh pit of emotions. It comes up, and then they win, and they look at you, and they say you're crazy. So the most important thing is is really, I hate to say this, but it's true, self-care, time alone, mm -hmm and get perspective so that you can listen to your intuition. And it takes courage to take this nice looking man who loves your kids. So, so, and so, and say, I'm leaving <laughs> Bye, and, and take yeah. off and never, never. I haven't even talked to the, you know, I just don't talk to him ever again. It's uh, not. That's the only way. Mm -hmm. I mean, people don't get that either. And I've had many people come to me and say, well, I can't leave because we have children together. Guess what? You can. You can have no contact with somebody and still have children with them because hopefully you get custody. And even if you have shared custody, that's what third parties are for. And when there are people like this that we're talking about, there should be some supervision or some third party contact. 
but nobody is obligated. I think that's just that trauma bond that people have. They're afraid, you know, of the reaction from the other person. They're afraid of how they're going to go on without this other person, because of course, like we said before, these narcissists want you to depend on them in every way possible, and you have become dependent on them. And and just so be careful. I mean, for me, it started with moving me out 90 miles away. Then it was when we got pregnant. Oh, I want you to be a stay-at-home mom. I'll provide for the family. Yeah, there we go. Now you're taking away my financial, you there know, you de- independence yep. and everything else. It, it just... It just happens right under your nose and you don't even realize it. So it's just, it's not to be untrusting to everybody, um, but you do have to be very careful about what you agree to and how that's going to impact your future. Well, female or male, make your own money. Always have your own money because that's, that's, that's where they get you. And and they, you thought they were doing you a a favor. (laughs) But he he took all of my money and got his PhD from my house. Then he ended up with the house. Yeah. Anyways, so it's one of those things like I at first just wanted a vacation and he was willing to help me. And so I took it. And, you know, and I, the love bombing, you know, love you, honey, this all those little words and the flowers and the notes and all that stuff. But for us, get away from that Valentine Hallmark watching a movie thinking that everything's happily ever after. You've got to be conscious. And that's just being, a, a, you know, in touch with your intuition keeping that tuned up if it hurts your stomach run <laughs> don't yes. date guys like that and i'm so good at it right now i can spot it right away and it's just only a couple weeks later where i um oh, there they are with another woman and it's 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 good it's like practicing listening to our inner voices and that keeps us strong absolutely and it's that inner voice you know i think everybody if you ask anybody they probably would tell you what their deal breaker is in a relationship but obviously i didn't think i had one until i got physically ill um and that was it because i had to have enough self-respect you know for for my body to live um and that required getting out of that toxic relationship so you know, I would urge anybody to listen to your body. And if you know somebody even that you even slightly think something might be off, you know, share the uh, the link to this, you know, let them know, hey, you know, this is something you might be interested in listening to. Find a YouTube, find a podcast, something because, you know, if it resonates with them, they might start rethinking the situation they're in because you don't know it. And and it's hard to explain to somebody in that situation what self-love is. But I agree with you. Once I wised up, I used to get up at 3 a.m. just to have a few hours just by myself in peace with nothing and nobody, just just to be, just to be with myself. And, and that was my self-care until I could get out. And once I got out, yeah, I I enjoy quiet. I enjoy um, being alone. I I think it's the freedom. I think because you're liberating yourself in that way and we have freedom that we didn't have when we were with them because there are so many rules and so many restrictions. I even, my ex even wrote down rules about how to be a good wife because I apparently wasn't one. <laughs> and and the sad thing is, is that I still have that, one of them. And I was checking that they weren't all checked off, but I checked them off like a list of chores because yep. I just wanted the man to be happy because I thought if I could just make him happy, 
everything will be okay. If I could just get that good guy to come out more than the other guy, everything could be okay, but it wasn't okay. And nobody should have to live like that. Well, and we we also talked about being safe. I'm in a safe place. I'm healing and it feels good. And I want to stay in that space for the rest of my life. That's what I want to say about that. A hundred percent. So it's Dana S diaz.com they can reach out to you there and you also will talk to people through your site uh and and yes yes absolutely i am not a doctor lawyer therapist or anything but i can certainly point people um you know in the direction to, to help them with resources in their community but please anybody that you know uses the argument of we have no place to go I have no money, I have no clothes, how will I feed my kids? I promise you, every community has all kinds of resources. You will not go without shelter, food, or clothing. You and your children will be okay. It'll be all right. It's gonna be rough going, but you'll be all right. And the last thing I have to say is look up. Ask God for whatever you pray to, look up and say, please help me. And that's when things started, the the, the lights turned on, magic happened. I was out of the relationship before I found out what was really going on. And I was in Hawaii. So when I was in Kauai, it wasn't that bad, but it was God leading the way. And it took a lot of courage to get on an airplane and not tell him where I was going because I had no idea what was going to happen when I got back, but it saved my life. So that's another thing. Prayer does work. Thank you, Dana, for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Thank you for joining us. This morning, you can reach out to me, dina-marie.com, and come back next week for more people, places, and activities that will lift your spirits. Smoking a cigarette Thinking about the times you let me down Living in my regret But I stay away from your side of town Thinking about the times I let you down the times I let you down Then I think of your arms around me Thinking about the times I let you down Watching the sun go down You always say Tortured by the past We just couldn't be hurt again 
you down 